Hello and welcome to Priority Roll, an Age of Sigmar podcast from sunny England. Join us as we discuss the ever-changing character of wargaming in the mortal realms. Grab your D6 and get ready for the Priority Roll. Hello and welcome to Priority Roll. My name is Dan and today I'm joined once again by the lovely Byron Ort and this time we're going to be talking all about painting. Welcome back, Byron. Hey, uh, how are you doing? I am living the dream as ever. How about you? Uh, you know confined and a little bit stir crazy but not too bad um, <laughs> slightly crazier than last time but not completely not kind of you know over the top so yeah yeah like i'm not sticking pencils up my nose and wearing my own pants on my head so we're all good <laughs> or no more than usual at least <laughs> so i suppose what we want to achieve from today what is the aim of that's an interesting question isn't it what is the aim uh, and uh, we maybe can talk a little bit about that later but what is the aim of today's podcast well we want to approach the the idea of painting in a similar way to which we approached approach, uh, the idea of an army last time so almost looking at it from a chronological perspective horribly obsessively and um far too in depth so if you don't want to hear us nerding out about nerding out then now's the time to leave (laughs) but hopefully you do so let's begin um you found your place (laughs) you are you are in for a fun roller coaster ride all about painting and painting so what's what's the first thing that you would think about then i'll turn this around and ask you so if if you're going to start an army what are your what are your initial considerations or how, how does it work for you or what do you think people should be worrying about not worrying but considering i look for something a little bit different because i'm you know i'm me i like i don't i don't like to copy like if i was going to be painting stormcast i wouldn't like to paint them as hammers of sigmar but i also paint them black um just to be like like and do like black matte armor and then silver chips or something just because it's completely different from everyone else yeah and i think well actually what i did with my um stormcast this time what, what i tried to do and I spoke a lot about this at the kind of concept stage and it just it didn't turn out to be like that but I was basically I was going to paint them like dark angels so I I tend to Mm. copy schemes or or copy palettes I guess copy color schemes so I was going to apply dark angels palette to a stormcast army so all my kind of line troopers were going to be dark green it's going to be bronzy kind of gold and the uh whatever the the um, chamber is that's um, all uh, magic dudes all my um magic dudes were going to be uh, like the secretors and uh, all that stuff was going to be the kind of the cream robes like the archangels have and then things like the paladins the heavier stuff was going to be bone like deathwing and things like my vanguard hunters all my vanguard chamber stuff was going to be black like raven guard and i thought i thought oh that's a really cool idea it's it's also instantly recognizable to someone who's a fan of of 40k law but a little they bit are different the, they're because... the most they're the most like um space marines from the fancy collection as well which is kind of helpful also scale wise um, oh yeah absolutely yeah it's very applicable yeah, yeah um and they even even earned the nickname sigmarines didn't they um mm. when people were being disparaging about them in the early days uh but yeah so it's very very easy and i think you can you can take that a little bit too far so, for example, if you painted Stormcast like an Ultramarine with kind of bright blue, cobalt blue armor and uh, kind of gold trim. Red eyes, etc. could look a little bit odd, I want to say, but I guess that could work. I think the reason why I do that is because color theory is not my strong point. I know it's very simple, but I like to pick a, a set of colors that work and looking yeah. at other people's work, I can be like, right, okay, well, you know let's say blue gold and white they those colors work together because games workshop have, have based their like their most popular space marine chaps are on them so yeah. that clearly I was does say work. Exactly that. that's the nice thing you know, you know it works even if it's from a weird place you could be taking a tyranid scheme 
and be putting it on Cardano blocks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Or, the uh, text is very different, does it? Yeah, a postcard or whatever. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the last one. I may have touched on it briefly, but you can take you can take inspiration from anywhere like this. You can take it from a piece of artwork. You can take it from a Magic the Gathering card, a computer game character. Um, in fact, that's in, that's both of those are fantastic places to start. Like, awesome. Those are uh, you. You can choose inspiration from somewhere whose job it is uh, to know like the living out of whatever subject they've picked they they know it inside out and back to front and they are a consummate professional they go in day on day and apply color theory correctly bunny is um in case i get picked up on that because it is it is down to personal choice and everything but they are professionals it is their job that is undeniable so if you get someone who's done an absolutely badass piece of artwork or created a cool character and you're like oh my god i never thought that like uh tentacle pink and bright yellow with uh, a splash of gold was a thing but i saw that like super armored whatever in something else then you can just take that and apply that to an army and you know it works then all you're dealing with is the fact that you're having to do it in paint rather than on a on a and on a on a textured thing rather than on a flat medium but you know that from like from fact you looked at that thing and thought that looks great so it should work on your on your army yeah that makes sense i think um it's for people like me who I think that that removes quite a hard bit of the decision process from, from that stops me getting things wrong, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the, the other one is a color wheel. So I have one in front of me. It lives um, it lives on my painting desk. They are they are the bomb. And you can you can start from a color. You can be like, I really, really, really like whatever it is. Uh, this deep purple color from so-and-so or red leather from Vallejo or, or whatever it is, find that, point your point your color wheel at it. On, on the back of it, you'll have a, you have, uh, how to describe this for some, some people might not have seen them. You'll have an equilateral triangle, so a triangle with all the sides being the same length, and you can point one part of that triangle at your color, and then it will point you to two other colors on the color wheel that scientifically work well with that because of stuff that I don't understand. Um, or you can point, um, look directly opposite. That's its complementary color. So let's say you picked red, violet, yellow, green is directly opposite, blue, green, aka turquoise, and then uh, like a, a deep yellowy orange are its triad, the triangle. There it's triad colors. Or you can be really complex and pick a um, pick a tetrad, which is basically you, you draw a square and you could say it like red violet works with clean neat orange clean neat blue and yellow green and and those are my four i did that with my ogre army actually i basically like pretty much exactly exactly the the middle one i outlined with the triangle i just picked that i wanted them to have blue green pants and it's like well what color do i do their flags oh there's a a a ready orange there and then there's a a a green yellow whirls or, or whatever and it's kind of made for you. So if there's something you really know, your favorite color, or you've seen an aspect of someone else's scheme, and it's just an aspect, it's not the entire thing, you can use this amazing tool just to not pick the rest of you, but give you some really solid indications as to what else you can use. And if you've got three strong colors, you're good. Um, I, I mean, think we're, I, we're I've used the... that before. I've, I've had one color, and I was looking, what, what other color should I add to it, much like you did with your ogres. And I think, I can't remember whether I Googled what the, what are the color codes called? Um... Oh, um, the I know, the ones that um, the ones that you use for manufacture that are 
globally. Yeah, the, like the Pantone codes or something. Yeah, like Pantone colors. Yeah. There we go. So I think I think you can. I googled whatever the Pantone code was for this color that I was using. But I think you can even like take a picture of your paint, like paint paint it on a bit of um, you know like a model, take a picture of it, and then use a put it on your computer, Drop and then it. use a dropper bottle to identify that color, and then put it into like a, put it into generate the computer it. and it will generate the, the code for you. And then you can put that code into an online color wheel. So while Byron, you know, uses a, a kind of a bit of card or paper in front of him to kind of look at, put point at the model and have a look at it, you can just do this online and it will show you, you can say, do I want contrasting? Do I want it opposite? Do I want a triad? Do I want a quadrad? Whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's something yeah. I've used before, but, but then I knew what I wanted. I knew what the first color was going to be. Yeah. So you have it's to have a, a starting a, point, don't you? Yeah. It's a really, it's a really, really good way of doing it though. Um, and so many, so many things that are stereotypically nice that you you enjoy looking at. You won't realise how much of it is is down to this stuff. Um, do you want to go a bit into colour theory before we start, or would you like to do that? Like, I could do an entire episode on it. Or I could do a condensed. Let's do a little on... condensed introduction to colour theory. Uh, okay, just so, so people can have a little bit of context going forward throughout the rest of the episode. Wicked. So we spoke about the wheel. Um, the wheel is, I think it's largely, it's split into 12, so like red, blue, green, yellow, and then the ones that go between them, like red, orange, yellow, orange, blah, 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 blah. We could even um, find a good uh, online tool to link into the show notes as well. Yeah. And um, and a colour wheel as well. I can link one from Element in the uh, interest of being shamelessly self-plugging, and we can put that in the description there. Um, they're an amazing tool to have, really, really useful. I'm not here to sell stuff but they are like they are legitimately incredible and i've used one for years and it makes my life a bit easier so the rules that i i try and hold in mind and bearing in mind that i used to commission paint so i was coming up with things that were practically applicable to getting an army done in a decent speed that looked the tits I wanted my stuff to look really, really solid, but I I was trying to make a wage out of this, so I had to think of a way to be efficient. General rules of thumbs that of things that work really, really well. So one super bright colour and no other colours. And when I say no other colours, I don't mean you're not allowed to use other paints. I mean nothing else that is a colour. So silver isn't a colour, it's on the grey spectrum. Um anything that was really close to white, like beige or whatever, I didn't count. So uh it used to be Deneb Stone, now it's Rakar Flesh. I did a load of Necrons that were um a pure blue and then anything else on them wasn't a colour. So they were sprayed silver, washed black, and then I did all their glowing parts and then I carefully picked out their armour as um bone and the bone was highlighted with white. So what you've got there is you've got a really strong colour and then you've got no other colors that mess with it but they help you get contrast and contrast is really important you want something dark on your model want something light on your model um you don't even have to fade between them they can look awesome next to each other black next to white looks amazing like super bright blue next to um really dark um dark other colors like it, whatever it is it looks really good so the, the example i always give of how nice that looks is if you like let's talk about the most quaint british thing we can if you think about a black and white old wooden cottage in a green garden you've got bright green of all the different colors you can imagine it's the middle of the summer for sake of argument and then you've just got black and white plonked in the middle um obviously there's going to be some flowers but largely speaking it's just all the greens you can imagine all the way through the green spectrum and then the black and the white just dropped in there all of those work with the other colors around them so your, your greens if you were to make everything black and white they probably don't go from super dark to super light that they're, they're all going to be bunched around the middle but your black and your white are right at one end and right at the other end of the dark to light spectrum so you've got contrast in there you've got 
easily applicable because let's say you used five different greens for whatever you were doing um let's say it was a i don't know your 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 scaven would be a good example if you had done them all all green and then you had done them like really dark weathered metal or cream for the bone and the teeth and robes or or things like that and then you've got nothing to mess with color theory because you've only got one color in there so that looks great um i can get i can give down a load of examples of armies i've done that take that um to a pretty extreme degree the neck ones were super successful though it's not just my um it's not just my turquoise order army where i i took that and applied it but um but we we really approached this kind of concept from when we were finishing off my skaven army didn't we the pestilence mm-hmm. because i'd painted them in a yellow um yellowy screen I'd, I'd, what i've done i'd sprayed them sprayed them avalon sunset and then yeah, i just uh, sprayed them from the top with kind of bone and then basically, obviously, just washed them, poured them, mm-hmm. threw them in a bath of, <laughs> of Devil and Mud equivalent, or uh, whatever it's called these days, Agrax Earthshade. And and then I was kind of like, right, how do I how do I finish these off? And we had the the catapulty bits, the kind of slime that the catapults throw, the play claws yep. to paint. We had the weapons from the Vermin Lord Corruptor, so some two big curved daggery things, some really yeah. nice shapes. And then you had glowing warp stone, glowing warp stone um, from wow. the. Uh, uh, what they call furnace the furnace kind of um thing furnace and if you had yeah i'm not sure if you had a you wouldn't have had a warp lightning cannon in there would you but the the, the oh, various the glowing warp stone of the there. yeah yeah the, the counterweight to yeah. the uh, plate claw as well didn't we Ooh. and that's where you kind of so, came in and said hey you know this kind of greeny turquoisey green uh could really work oh you know what a surprise just, it contained just... turquoise but <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it was more it was more green it wasn't like classic yeah. byron tm turquoise it was more green wasn't yeah, it? it was it was more like ghost wall um Ghost War colours, and that I, I I thought that'd work, but I'd never done that, and I actually really liked it. And then I've used that theory elsewhere, but that is a super solid idea. And if you look at there's some of the schemes that work really well with it that people will know, but they it, until you have this conversation, they don't put it together in your head. So um, if anyone has been lucky enough because they they barely ever came out uh, to see Russ's beautiful cream and purple high elf army that he did at the beginning of Age of Sigma, that is a mega mega solid scheme. And it involves purple, which is the color cream, which we're not going to count as a color. There might be a bit of brown in it or something like that, but it's an off-white. And then the weapons are clean, nice silver. And then it's got like um, black, uh, like black belts or whatever, or or or, or things like that. You could you could have them as dark brown, but if it's not there a lot, um, then you're still basically you're looking at an army that is purple and then dark colors and light colors to go around that purple done really nicely and that's a really um, good scheme to copy for oh, super, something super like uh, Lumineth. or oh yeah we're, apply it it doesn't have to be elves apply it straight over to stormcast i think it would, would yeah, yeah. work for anything yeah it works on loads of stuff um and there'll, there'll be a lot of examples of schemes that people seen that are like that that work really well you can kind of take the same idea with anything that is heavy metallic as well so stormcast um sprayed retributor armor and then like that that like that that is the majority of them you can pick one spot color but actually when you think about it a lot of the stormcast they'll have um and you can do this to greater or lesser degrees they might have like blue weapons um the yellow of the gold and then have red shields and that's actually uh that'll be a a triangle um so the contrast is really important as well color theory there's a few ways to get around it but there's also the fact that you can use 
every single color you've ever thought of and things can still look great. But if you're looking to keep it simple and will this will segue nicely into the next topic, particularly if, if you're looking at a deadline, one of the most important things I feel you can do, it's not a must, but I think is a really, really good idea is to work with a restricted palette. And by that, I don't mean rigorously tie yourself down to these five paints or whatever. I mean, just have a plan is that's a large part of the restricted palette. I know a few people, um, Terry does this, I do this. I think quite a few of the other guys from our little group of painters do it. If I'm working on a project, I have a load of little like takeaway tubs and I pretty much restrict myself to, if you're doing an army, all of the paints that are colors, I won't include washes or semi-transparent things in there because I I don't. Um, they have to fit in that pot. And that's got a couple of practical aspects. One is if you got to paint, you just go and get your, like, I have a destruction pot. I could go and grab it now from my desk drawer. It's got eight paints in it because my destruction was done very simply. In there is a yellow, a couple of greens, um, a bone, and um, I mean, that that's basically it. Some other peripheral colors for the details. But um, It also stops you adding time to yourself because one thing i'm terrible for is because of the way my mind works because i'm a little bit you know um precious about things all my paints are in color order so let's just look over so we've got you know my paint racks which i've made recently it goes from white to yellow to red into purple into blue i have to look at it because i you know because my mind's Mm -hmm. i have to to see what it is before i can remember it It, but it's it looks gorgeous it looks amazing and it looks like a kind of rainbow you know it looks like a color wheel because it, it fades temp- into another it looks it looks it looks, looks like tempting it looks, as looks well legit. let's use a um, bit of that let's use a bit of this let's not exactly, write it right down. in front of me and then in three weeks let's come to doing my army and don't know what i did i'm awful for writing things down so as a way to work around myself if i'm using paints from this pot they're good and i will go as far as to own those paints multiple times so, so they can exist you, in different trays yeah exactly because if you wanted one, to one thing i kind of want to do that I think would make my painting quicker and more efficient, but I won't do it because I like having things in order. Um, is I'm showing myself a little bit of a complex here, um, but is is almost have like a, a things ordered in recipes. So, yeah. but then this is quite restrictive because it means you don't push yourself and learn new things, I guess. So this is my brown pouch recipe. So, and this is my flesh recipe. So here is the uh, Rakar flesh. Here is the Gurman contrast, uh, the contrast paint flesh, and yep. here is the um you know pallid witch hair flesh highlight that is my pale flesh kind of recipe but as you say some armies would let you do that as well you could have um you could have 12 or 15 paints in uh triads so uh base mid-tone highlight or base um the way i pretty much paint everything in the world can boil down to the same four step thing and you can add or remove them it's pick a base coat that's slightly brighter than you would do otherwise wash it with um i use army painters washes a lot i really really rate them but with anything could be contrast could be mixed could be whatever repeat your base coat add your highlight to your base coat so that 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 four steps is the way to paint anything in the world with three paints it can even be um it can be less than that in like less paints than that in certain circumstances. If you've got a dark wash, you can just repeat your base coat. Um, One of the problems like, with so- doing like recipe style things, like I've just described, is that if you have a a popular paint and, and it, like you say, you sometimes own multiples of the paint, but if you're using let's say Gulliman flesh for all of your flesh recipes then you need to have like lots of different sections with it in. Yeah, so which is that's why, why the, washes and that's one of the reasons... exist elsewhere. Yes, in, exactly. I, you know, washes are in a different section that. of your paint rack, yeah. Interestingly, I'll, I'll send you a picture of my paint rack because mine is organized in a kind of... It's a way that works for me but wouldn't make sense for other people. 
Mine's, uh, I have a lot less out than people would perhaps imagine. I'm, I own plenty of paints, far too much. But the ones that are out in my relatively small, humble um, hobby area, I've got a row of Scale 75. I've got a row of Vallejo. Um, I've got a row of mixed paints that are the black and white spectrum. Like entirely one of my racks is greys, blacks, whites and creams. Um and then I have, uh, I've got a little couple of sections of GW and they're organized by color. So I've got a warm one, which is my oranges and reds. And then I've got another section because I want them to be stored upright because that's how I prefer washes to be stored. I've got a little pot where I've got inks from scale 75 and I've got washes from army painting. And then I've got um, the very small selection of Tamiya paints that I love, but um, only use if I'm airbrushing. They're in their own section. So mine is mine is organized like you I don't know, you, you broke down my process as a robot and just said, like, which ones does it make sense for them to be next to each other? Um, they're also stored the way up that is appropriate for the type they are. But, um, you, we, we did warn people that this would get technical and nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So actually uh, that, that like, segues quite nicely onto obsession. a different topic there, Byron, about um, yeah. brands of paints. And we did ask a few people on Twitter uh, whether they had any questions. And one of the ones that came through was uh, from Tom Healy, which are the best non-Citadel paint ranges? And how would you design a paint scheme with limited access to new paints slash refill? So I guess the second question is maybe a slightly uh, longer one. So let's answer that second. Okay, um, I'll answer the, the first paint one. Range. And I'll forget the second one. You can repeat it. Yeah, no problem. So, paint ranges. Um, I'm going to give a really wishy-washy answer to this, but I will then go into specific. All the paint really washy answer. Huh? Yeah, painting oh. puns on point today, mate. Definitely, so much. Um, all, all the paint ranges are valid. There is not a bad paint range out there. Um, let's let's get re- like let's look at the definition. Start off as if we're writing an essay. So, what makes a good paint for us, given the spectrum we're in? Let's say we are tournament gamers who want our army to look at least solid and be proud of it. Um, good means covers well doesn't behave weirdly and by weirdly i mean like doesn't cover well or is hard to mix up or blah 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 blah, or doesn't play well with others some paints don't mix well with other ranges some paints don't mix well with spit these days that's a strange one like licking your brush with new citadel paints is different to licking your brush with old citadel paint but um you you've got all these different characteristics of the different brands so as a rule of thumb i'll, I'll go through it so army painter i like for layering actually i think they're quite good for that i use skeleton bone as my bleached bone from yesteryear equivalent i really like it although the gw1 screaming skull is is pretty solid as well i've got both of those in front of me um they've got some nice neutral grays as well and their black and white are fantastic um currently games workshops black and white i just don't bother um there you go uh, that they're not from a painting perspective why is that um the black doesn't cover um i think so, so the black has been designed this is my assumption could be completely wrong but the black looks like it's been designed to be usable as uh, a, a black wash it's just not very opaque and that is that is an achievement to get a black that doesn't cover fantastically well fast but it looks like it's it, it's made to to be used in other processes other than putting down a, a flat black and, and being done really quick um, so I would use Army Painter or Vallejo Black. I over, use the right? Army Painter Matte Black mostly. Yes, it's fantastic. It's and then got really got, good coverage. Yeah, there's a Vallejo one as well that a lot of people even know the number two off by heart. Um, their Matte Black is great and their white is also fairly solid. Um, so uh, starting with the black and the white from other brands is a really good 
a really good way to go. Let's assume that this is a, a step away from Games Workshop as per the question. If you're going to step away, what are you looking for? What isn't Games Workshop currently providing? So fluorescent paint. There isn't fluorescent paint in GW's range. There is in Vallejo's. There is in Scale 75's. They are nuts. They are brilliant. They are an amazing way to highlight things without getting them pastel and white. So you've got fluorescent yellow, green, and orange as the most effective ones. The blue is no one can make a good um fluorescent blue so i wouldn't like it's more useful than not having it but it won't get you that crazy glow effect but for example if you want to paint uh what's the best example if you want to paint red armor up and you don't want your highlights at the end to be pink you can add fluorescent orange into reds to make them just in everything you're, you're just ramping up how uh how bright they are by that little bit fluorescent paints are amazing a little bit weird uh, a couple of tips for them they aren't opaque it's they're kind of a bit jelly-like mix them in with another paint or put them down over something bright so if you've got like if you've got a white stage underneath them it'll make them go super bright or mix them in with something else to hold on to so i mix fluorescent yellow in with um like a, a very very bright yellow called ice yellow from the light that works really well uh metallics apart from retributor armor like the gw ones are fine but there are some amazing metallics out there um a lot of vallejo's metallics i think are just great yeah um, shout out to vallejo steel that is yeah that is my go-to um, any silver color anything that i need to be silver of any type uh, the thing yeah, that doesn't do that doesn't do really well, well. is dark silver because it's a very bright but then you can just yeah. wash it down can't you yeah you can um and I'll, I'll touch on that in a second so using the metallics from other ranges retributor armor is one of the best paints that has ever been designed in the world so like if you i wouldn't bother like there's some unless you're willing to go the liquid gold um like the alcohol based uh yeah the ones that wherever you like inhale the fumes you die yeah those ones and you can't involve water in the process they will give you a really really good effect fast but they're a bit more like using old school paints mm. um so like if you're willing to yeah. put in yeah it's very technical isn't it yeah if you're willing to put in the work go for it um especially if you're covering large areas or something like that they are they are truly special scale 75 have colored metallics that are great so if you want like a blue tint in your metallics or you want some really weird ones uh like uh thrash metal that i've got in front of me which is kind of like uh, i don't know like um a, a light bronze and silver had a baby um they've got some really interesting colors and they play quite nicely in general scale 75 is a bit thick shake the hell out of it like when when you get it squeeze some of it out just into the bin it sounds awful but it'll leave more room for shaking and stuff like that and always use them thoroughly and i store them on the sides to make it so i'm only halfway away from shaking rather than 100 percent away from it being mixed um their metallics are pretty good um other people just do fine metallics in general um there's some stars from different ranges plate mail metal from army paint it's really nice i use that and then privateer press have got some good bronzes uh but like i say i find it hard to depart from retributor armor i just wash it with whatever i need to make it go more tarnished or more silver or something like that scale 75 have got some really vibrant colors so if you want a like saturated uh, by that i mean the opposite of black and white so like really deep nuts uh almost like ink in terms of the the level of depth behind their colors um there is a fantastic one called holger blue for example i've used a lot they've got um they've and they've got some really there's a boreal green they've got a load of other colors that are like that so they're great to, to dip into and try some of those they are good for uh they're more transparent than other brands as well so if you're looking to highlight they make your job easier because you're not putting down an opaque layer of paint in the same way um it depends how much time people are looking and spending though and then washes army painters are just fantastic 
they are they are great they behave like the old citadel washes they play nicely with water they play nicely with medium they play nicely with uh thinner um you can mix paints in with them and they've got a load of different ones to cover whatever use you could want so they've got one called it it used to be called soft tone it's now called light tone you can mix pretty much any paint in the world in with that or any other ink and just use it as like like a medium but it's got a slight slight warm tint to it so if you want to make a purple wash i start off with that light tone you can put a bit of purple paint in it or you can put purple wash in it but you can put red in it and it makes an amazing wash that's really good for skin you can put green with it and it makes an ergo wash like the the list is endless and actually you can put black in with it and then you end up like a black wash you can have a wash that ends up being um it, it doesn't cover the the raised areas as much because you've thinned it down with this really soft one but it puts quite a lot of black in the recesses. So where people would use Devlin Mud, which is in the middle of this spectrum, you can take one from the bottom and one from the top, mix them together. That one works really well for skeletons and stuff like that. Um, that is the majority of the, the larger brands out there. There's some other more obscure ones like Monument and stuff, but they're, they're probably more for the non-army painters. Um, definitely worth a look at though. And uh, where would be the best place to buy all these various different paints from, Byron? You can buy them from my web store. (laughs) (laughs) Elementgames.co.uk I can, anything that would help the episode, like I can put together a bundle or I can link to appropriate sections or whatever. They're all all really worth a look. Um, I'll touch on some things in terms of using like how I do metallics in an efficient way or or stuff like that when we get later into the episode. But all the different brands have different merits. If you're airbrushing, is the only place when I step in and use Tamiya apart from their special effects ones. They airbrush like liquid silk. Honestly, it's it's the biggest pleasure in painting available is airbrushing Tamiya paints. I think they are gorgeous. Um, like you'll you'll lose you'll use barely any of them. They go down super smooth. They just are a dream through an airbrush. Absolutely gorgeous, and they're cheap as chips as well, which is uh, is something for some people. So that's that's your major brands covered what was the second part of the question the second question was how would you design a paint scheme with limited access to new paints or refill what does it mean to new paints I mean you can't add them or you only get to shop briefly or i'm not sure um let's <laughs> go for which is most likely let's say you've bought a generic selection of paints okay you've got you like know, the, you've got like 60 a, or 80 a couple of browns you know you don't have all these holder blues and ice yellows and stuff like that okay um in that case like you've bought you've bought games workshops um intermediate paint set that okay, doesn't exist you know, like a, bun- a bundle of generic paints you've got a light, uh, light ultramarine shaded blue and you know that kind of thing i would snag a couple of inks and a couple of washes and that is all you need to do to start doing something special um there is um well, i should have mentioned with below they've got some lovely middle colors like red leather which is used heavily by artists like david soper that are just interesting and have loads of aspects of different other paints in them but they're they're a bit more then they're not finessey to use but in terms of why people use them there's some crazy finesse reasons for them but um yeah just washes and inks like people stray away from them contrast has brought it more into people's heads but the other thing i'd say is don't be afraid to use mixes of stuff um the other thing is you can get some really special things by doing some stuff that wouldn't immediately be obvious to people so for example you can shade red with a blue wash um it sounds sounds like a strange one gold with purple is a good one yeah exactly all all of that stuff gold gold washes with almost any color you can think of actually it's a really it plays well with others really nicely like green purple blue 
um, black, uh, if you put a sepia, like a soft tone over it or something like that, if you do that a couple of times, you end up with this really, really yellowy, like scaveny metal or, or bright stormcast yarn, depending on how you finish it. Um, it. Clever use of washes and mixes is great. So, for example, uh, if you've got contrast, what's it called? I'm going to have to get it out. I think it's flesh. Yeah, flesh terrors red, the contrast paint is phenomenal if you mix that with a couple of drops of a purple wash um you get this gorgeous saturated deep uh deep bloody like um like wine colored like a, like a really like thick, a crimson but, burgundy kind of yeah exactly it's it's absolutely it's absolutely amazing um you can wash red with that and the red gets deeper um so you, you can do quite a lot just by pulling in these transparent paints and adding them to your existing ones. Um, and then if you want to cherry pick a couple of others from other brands and start introducing them and playing with them, that's really good. And the final thing is special effects paints. I'll touch on that a little bit later. But um, blood effects or rust or chipping or anything of that type is just that a lot of painting people don't realize how much it's important not how this thing looks but it's how this thing looks next to this so i've touched on it with the, the analogy with like the cottage and all those different greens but them looking badass next to white and black um but also you've got like that green uh robe may look amazing splattered in that like that matte green robe may look pretty good and then you put a couple of spots of super glossy uh deep deep uh, red from Tamiya Clear Red as a as like blood splash effect, um, just like on the hem of it next to the hand where the knife is or whatever. And suddenly that green looks way more than it is. Equally, I, I talk when I'm teaching people painting, I talk about this a lot. If you're like, oh, I just I feel the need to highlight that yellow even more, don't highlight the yellow, put down the other colors that meant to go next to it, and then have a look at the yellow in comparison. So rather than taking that yellow up to a million, you could just paint the purple section next to it and suddenly the bright bits of that yellow look very bright or anyway, or you could give the entire bit yellow like recesses a purple wash and then the bright sections of the yellow look brighter because it's a miniature, like four millimeters away from it is this deep purple color. Um, so you, it's holding in mind the concepts of, of contrast and that can be in anything that can be in hue um like the how warm or cold something is i tend to start from cold and finish on warmer so let's say start on a cold blue and finish in a warm yellow uh that type of thing can have uh, contrast in that can have contrast in texture whether that is physical like um uh like pigments or or like rough stuff or if something is just super matte and then it's next to something super gloss and you can just paint the gloss on something like an orb that someone's holding or something like that that's that's a source of contrast ben johnson does all this stuff amazingly i'll probably mention him a couple of times but if you're looking to get an army out the doors looking nuts good in no time at all there are few painters on the scene who are more capable of doing it than him he's really fantastic at it um then you got contrast of color as well like light and dark or um putting your green next to a purple or or, or whatever it is he's uh at ben johnson 0013 if anyone doesn't follow him on twitter he's a product, <laughs> product developer for games workshop and he's famous Actually, for... it should be should be following him already <laughs> yeah but, um, absolutely i'm yeah. surprised i would be surprised if anyone listening to this isn't but um he is famous for smashing out armies a containing loads of bear moths but also b on a, a phenomenal rate yeah it should look great and he'll you talk to him about it, he's always just ridiculously modest to say oh it's smoke and mirrors or it's i've barely even done this or i've barely even done that but he he really like he knows his stuff so well as far as making something effective um 
and just just getting into it really good out the gates. And when I was learning to paint, I was reading about him in White Dwarf on the old old wasn't called Warhammer Community the the blog. There are a few posts about him painting terrain and stuff that when I was coming back into the hobby, I looked at and I took a lot of inspiration from. Um, so if if yeah, follow him. Anything he paints is just. Um, it just tends to be an exercise in absolutely ruthless time in to reward gained efficiency and his armies always look phenomenal like really really good so much respect for him he can also place gutsy highlights really nicely which is something that i struggle with and i tend to admire in other people so yeah i mean to to bring it back to the question contrast of any type whether that's putting a wash down or putting something bright next to something dark or something glossy next to something matte or or whatever like that that is a really good way to get it get more out of a restricted set of paints and just ask people for advice on which like three or four other funky ones that aren't from games workshop you should get out and test um or, or what things you can do with the paints you've got that you might not have thought of like people don't often put a and earth on models for example but if you want your if you want your nurgle guys to have really mottled skin that you can dry brush and wash effectively like it, it looks amazing you can blob it all over your model and it works surprisingly well there's some stuff open like that that i think people don't consider um, and they've got a new of... version of a earth that's black called Morden earth which i think is even better oh, really? for yeah yeah <laughs> it's like a little about. sneak release that i i, did, I think i found out about like a, a month or so under the radar yeah exactly <laughs> but it's Morden earth and it is it's, it's that crackle technical paint that like got, a Grelin earth but it's black. They've got the Martian, the Martian Iron Earth. Yeah, yeah. They've got a black one. But um, black's, black's black. good for putting on models because it's it's black, and you know you you can then paint it. You can then dry brush or paint it over to be whatever color you want. Also, there's probably some really efficient stuff you can do with that, where you like stipple or blob different fiery colors on a model, then put the crackle paint on and let it shrink over them to reveal um, stuff coming out from underneath. Ah. If you want. What, like a monochromatic kind of fiery thing with lava bases, Byron? Yeah. How interesting that you bring that up. Um, So, yeah, there's there's all these different things you can do. And the biggest thing is probably just sitting and having a little think about it. Not like some great, like, obviously, I'm on the extreme end of obsessing about things. Um, But just having a tiny think about something, you can, oh, actually, yeah, I can, like, I can put, like, I've I've Googled, I don't know, like, flowers, animals, uh, fancy artwork, whatever it is, and yellow and purple do look really good together. Um, Don't be afraid to just quickly bash out a test model. And one of the fastest ways to do this is you can put the colors down on paper. That works, but it feels a bit weird for people. If you just get a model and spray your base coat, a section of it one color and put a wash down, just do that. Because a lot of the time people don't like the idea of doing test models. Just do a test foot, do a test arm, do a test gauntlet, whatever it is. Paint that thing yellow, um, put a purple wash on it, let it dry, look at it and be like, actually, yeah, this is good. And then use that to give you the balls to try something that you wouldn't try otherwise. A lot of people don't like the idea of bright colors or whatever, but they just make people look happy and they stand out. And from six foot away, that's where people, that, like, that's the main distance that people can be looking at your stuff from on the table, like between three and six feet. Looks amazing. That's that's one of my problems is I, in my mind, I like to have the, the idea fully fleshed out and finished in my head before I start doing stuff with models. So for example, yeah. the reason why I was going, eh, with Nighthorn, is be- uh, with um, with uh, Northern Earth is because I'm I'm thinking of doing a Nighthorn army again. Getting back to I've, like I just can't get away from the ghosts. I'm just there's something about them. Um, thinking of doing a Nighthorn army and it being from the realm of fire and having it you know like lava bases and having like an OSL type glow underneath them. Yeah. yeah. And then having them kind of black and grey, but not in a kind of um, you know concept style. Do something like maybe even then paint paint the bases lavery colored and then bring the color of that fire up into the robes 
so that they yeah, look like have they're it up coming into the robes, out. Isn't it? Yeah. So the yeah. So, so it is you know the night haunt the actual night haunt models themselves aren't just you know dry brush gray or whatever. Um, so they're actually got a really nice blend up to dark. But then then in my head I'm like right okay so I'm I've got bright colors underneath them into black and then I want the top of them to be black because I want them to look like ash or whatever. And I'm like, you well, do this, their, this do is their weird. We- this is like a reverse you do their weapons, highlight. Do their weapons glowing. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I'm gonna yeah exactly. I'm gonna do like a kind of space marine power weapon style um mm-hmm. new blend on them um, tell what would look cool if you and bearing in mind how how rough you could be underneath because people are only going to see sections of this you could do the weapons airbrushed or stippled super bright orangey colors and then put that black on them and have these weird weapons that were like had were like um you know when you 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 take metal out of a forge and it's it's still got the black on it um it, like it, before it's been tempered you could have these these weapons that were like breaking out of themselves with a uh, with glowy goodness that, that would look, look like, quite cool couldn't it yeah um so like perhaps we should have gone with this at the start but i think if you if you're approaching a project you the first questions you should be asking yourself are, i think people don't ask these questions and that's where they get into trouble with being dissatisfied with the end result either like oh i'm not enjoying this or this is taking too long or i don't like how good they look or or any other criticisms you could have in an army i think the majority of them you can take them right back to stage dot before you begin and you're at zero percent of army and you have to ask a few questions like do you like not what your aim with the army is even that like let's take a step back from that do you enjoy painting so knowing yourself and knowing what what type of thing you need out of this like you're meant to enjoy your hobby (laughs) let's try and help people towards that so uh, people probably fall into like one of three or four categories for this there's people who like painting um people who don't mind it but like like they're they're more about the gaming anyone can be about the gaming whether they like painting or not but people who don't mind it and then people who really don't like it and it's a chore um now i think a lot that people who don't like it and it's a chore a lot of them could actually be split into two categories because there's people who will never like it but then there's people who don't like it because they've not realized how easy it can be if you do certain things and that's like they are the the most easily convertible audience if you're there in person but i think people really struggle to find this realization on their own and a lot of that is they're not using paints that um give them a flat coat of coverage easily or they think i won't get an airbrush i don't enjoy painting when it could actually it could it could get them past the the tedious section of it faster games workshop are making this easier and easier every year by bringing out amazing colored sprays for base coating models in and things like contrast and whatever but um you, you need to know before you're you're like what is the aim of me doing this army like trying to improve paint and skin or whatever you need to know like what type of person you are and how much time you have so like are, are you doing this to deadline for an event how many models are in the army uh a, a real place where people screw up is like oh i've done this test model and it like oh i was just tempted to use this color and this color and i've done this and this and i think it took me about an hour it didn't it took you two but you reason with yourself and say well a lot of that was choosing colors and then you have to do that over 40 infantry guys and yeah i'm i'm awful yeah. for spending loads of time on test models was actually oh, so i should paint a test squad yeah exactly that um or you should set yourself you should you should do test of the colors and or you should do test models do test one working the scheme out and then test one on a timer no interruptions blah 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 and yeah. then you look at that actually factually correct not like optimistically as is we this are achievable and we tend to yeah exactly 
Um, so look when your deadline is and then work backwards from that. And also consider what you're what you're going to be adding to the army. If you're painting up Archeon the Gaunt Summoner and three units of three Varangard, like you, you could do that to a fairly high standard. But hold in mind that your next idea for this army in the future is to add two units of 40 Marauders to it. So you've gone from painting 10 guys to painting 80. So don't take... Uh, like obviously you don't have to paint them to the same standard as the other guys it's helpful that the other guys are all elite but if you want things to match or whatever or you want to think of practical level you, you've got to think of it for every single model that you have in the given army and every single model that you could add to the army yeah what's uh, realistic uh what it, what could i realistically add to this army in the near future and if it's okay arcane was fun but i want to just take like a demon rinse and then fill up those other points with something 600 else. points or whatever it's yeah, probably going to exactly. be that might be you know what is the problem with running an archaeon and varangard army is it i need more troops need more bodies well if that's yeah. the case then you're probably going to look at adding a significant more bodies to that army at some point if you want to change the style of the yeah, army just alternates or if, even if you're just going to add 20 guys but the chances are you're going to add it with like you've got a busy life and you're only going to have like three evenings a week for three weeks before that event because you've got a family to, to look after or whatever you, you've got to bear all this stuff in mind yeah so, and bearing in mind that the original army has less than 20 guys in it anyway <laughs> yeah, suddenly exactly. you're, you're at least doubling the size of the army you've got to bear you've that into mind in your scheme stuff. haven't you yeah so you, you need to pitch the time you put in per model um, or how complex the, the scheme is you need to pitch it at the right level for what type of person you are what deadlines you have and how you approach the hobby it could be that you've picked this army because you've picked to do an entire ogre army i did this because you want to improve your painting of flesh because you you really suck at it um or it's something you want to improve on so then you're looking at a labor of love army and that's an entirely different question um so look at your deadline look at what you're looking to achieve and then pitch that appropriately be like no this is my this is my slow burn army if i'm ready with this in a year because i've got two other armies that i'm enjoying playing with then that's cool or if you're like well I think these guys are going to have a book release at some point in 2021 and I'm just looking to chip away and improve my metallics or whatever. That's fine. You don't have to fall into any particular one. Just pick the most appropriate one for your individual aim. I think having a backburner army is a really good idea. Having an army yeah. that you are happy to take to an event and then maybe have an army that you would quite like to take to an event and then maybe yeah. having an so army that you have no event in mind for and you're just painting it because you know like my stormcaster is a great example they're nearly finished and they've been nearly finished for ages because i've had other armies that i've been working on for events and it got to a point where i realized i was like a week away from an event and i was like there's more than a week's work in this so there's no point in painting them because i don't want to rush them and ruin them more than i'm already kind of painting them fairly quickly as it is but exactly so they're just they're just on the back burner and at some point there's going to be a new stormcast book probably you know maybe this year next year whatever the seventh um, one <laughs> the 17th stormcast book and uh and I, I know that when that comes out i'll have a, an army that's nearly done and as soon as we get the the kind of like the teaser that it's going to come in a few months i'll get that army finished and then suddenly i've got a whole stormcast army good to go yeah so that's so, my back burner project really yeah it's, it's really really useful for that let's let's presume that most people here are serial tournament goers or enthusiasts even if you don't get to go to as many as you'd like having another one is a really good idea and you can pick that as an antidote to what you've got so if you're an idiot like me and you picked i mean i've, I've had to make my order more efficient because i realized that it, it was going to take me six months to get 500 points worth of different stuff done it i've probably gone too far down the other end in terms of the quality right it's gone from like labor of love gorgeous layering to let's get it out as quickly as possible looking as effective as possible i'd like to be a bit of a step back from that but 
having one army that's an antidote to the other is a perfect perfect place to be in. In, in an ideal world, you'd have, let's say, a, um, a super fast to paint uh, elite army, and then you'd have a bit more of a takes more time one that has a more foot troops that you, I don't know, you're painting a unit of 40 clan rats to add to it or whatever, and then you've got your other one. So then you've got a super, super fast army, and then you've got a much slower one. Or you could have it flipped the other way around. So you've got a really fast, get it on the table, uh, flesh eater courts army, where you're like, this is my flesh recipe. I've got it down. I know my base in, bish, bash, bosh. And then you have a really elite Varangard army where you can spend two weeks on each horsey because there's only going to be nine of them an archeon and a gaunt summoner and you're planning on using it for the first time in like six months or you're doing it for a slow grow and you're playing 500 point games so you can you can scale it up for that having an antidote is a, a really really practical uh, practical way to go about having it the other thing that makes a big difference in terms of the psychology of stuff is people choosing to do stuff in the right batch size what i mean i mean by that is when you're if you sit down and you're like right i have i'm doing fire slayers i've got 60 half guard to paint there is a very big difference between it's going to be more efficient doing the same process multiple times um it there's a steep curve at the beginning between painting like one guy and painting five guys and painting 10 guys 10 is way more efficient paint drying and all that jazz and going back for mixes or or whatever it is, it, it probably tails off at some point, let's say 20 or 30 of them, because obviously number five is going to be dry by the time you're on number 10 or whatever. Uh, the other thing, though, is that's the, the mathematical practical side of it. The other side of it is people have different <laughs> different points where they're going to find things demoralizing because they don't see progress. Or some people are quite happy knowing that their own goal is going to appear in three weeks when they've got 60 dudes. And then other people like, I've painted for three sessions, like Monday, Wednesday, and I got in a good few hours on, on the following Saturday, and I'm still seeing no progress and it's breaking my heart. So knowing yourself and picking the right batches, which could be a really odd number, it could be that seven is the right amount for you. Um, you want to pick a level where you're doing as many as possible and you're, <laughs> if, you, if you do find motivation a struggle, some people don't. But if you do find motivation a struggle, it hits about 80 or 90%. And then you just get through that hump, do your finishing details, which is like putting on tufts and um, putting black rims on the bases, because um, that's the only color that's allowed, and that type of thing. And, and then you're like, oh, great, I've got five, 10 of them done. I put them on my desk for motivation. And while I've got that motivation high, I start the next one. And then you have that little, if you'd draw a graph, you, you'd have like, um, It'd be like uh, motivation jumps straight up, like really aggressively, and then keeps on going for a bit and then starts petering down and jumps up and keeps on going and et cetera in that pattern. Knowing what your batch is for yourself or the complexity of your scheme and for your model is a really big thing. So if you're doing a super simple scheme and you're painting the old school Stormcast where they weren't covered in doodads and robes and hourglasses and skulls and everything, um, a 20 batch There was a model be... not covered in skulls, Byron. I don't believe it. Oh, I I love the old Stormcast so much. <laughs> I love the new ones. They they look really. They look cool, amazing, but, but there's a, there's a big difference in the painting. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Anyone who's got an army will understand just how extreme that difference is. So let's say you're doing Liberators, Judicators, or uh, it's 40k. You're doing Necron, whatever it is, something fairly basic that doesn't have too many different bits. To it, or you're painting Nurgle. It's got skin or a weapon or a boil. Um, you might be able to do a 20 batch fine, but if you were painting something that's like stealthy complex, like um, Siench, Arcanites, or Zangor, or that type of thing, even though they're like no points per model, they are really, really complex. 
Um, so a five batch might be more practical. Obviously, you can address how complex your scheme is to count on this as well. But picking the right models, right amount of models, is a really, really important thing. Um, so that probably that stuff pretty broadly covers. If you're going into doing an army, what you should consider, how you should work out what you're doing on it. Um, I'll now go into the bits that I think are important on the tabletop for for getting something looking good and all of this is going to be with efficiency in mind so i'm not going to tell you to put down seven layers on each eyeball or or anything like that whatsoever so um bases faces shields that's that's a big one it's normally bases and faces but um shields and weapons you can add as well depending on whether you guys have got them or those that shield it, it should be bases faces and a detail so on fire slayers it could be their mohawk um on other people it could be their massive glaive like wings or, are a good thing yeah yeah all that all that type of stuff um so you only need to like the most important parts of your model it's like um uh weapon focus people know what that is when when people have seen a crime and all they can think about is the gun um, they don't they can't remember the person's face like people look at certain parts of models that might change if games workshop have done a particularly amazing job and this guy has the most amazing like swirly robe ever or if that's a larger part of the model but generally speaking and that is likely like, given they do they are quite fans of swirly robes they are fans of swirly robes um and robes are getting swirlier they are getting the swirl factor swirly. is increasing they're also getting more joins in the middle which Ooh, i'm not we don't, we don't like robes with joins in the middle there's any we certainly don't like shoulder pads with joins in the middle do we stormcast <laughs> I do not get me started. If there's anyone listening and you're ever in a position to have a uh, like have any effect on that stuff, like any like it is fine for something to have one more piece if it means that piece doesn't have a gap right down the middle. Like no one cares about sticking a shoulder pad onto a front and back bit of a body. To be fair, uh, I think I think the Stormcast are a bit of the uh, the exception to the rule because they are getting really good at hiding mold lines, especially on the starter kits. Uh, sporadically, like, I yeah, think. I think you've assembled more models than I have. So some things, oh god, I hate it. Some things come out and you're like, my god, like this is the future, and they could be things from like three or four years ago, and then some things come out and you're just like. I'll put down the model if I don't enjoy the assembly process. Um, like some of it is just the moment I see a gap in like in a recess where I can't get something in to scrape it and they join together, it breaks my heart. I'm getting sidetracked though. So bases, faces, and details. Um, they are the bits that need to be good. Like if you look at um, an army from above, never mind a model, but an army, a ridiculous proportion of that is the basis. Now, this is something that pretty much the vast majority of people get wrong, in my opinion. It's got better since Games Workshop brought out Grelnerth and stuff like that, and, and Tufts have existed, but you are being an absolute idiot if you are not putting more time into your bases, generally speaking. So if, if you look at the time you can put in the raw, the raw you can get, I always tell people you can have an average painted army with fantastic painting, and that's fantastic army, or you can have a fantastically painted army with average basing, and that's an average army. Right? Like, what's the bit that maps there? Like, if your if your basing is just meh, the basing is so fast, like like insanely fast. There's a lot of basing you don't even need to do proper painting on these days. Like, you put down a grill and put a wash over it, stick two different types of tufts on. Like, not jobs are good, and it's that looks amazing. Um, and rather than if if you want your army to look the best in the time you have, you have to spend even if it means taking time away from the models, you should be spending more time on the basing period um you look at a model from above and 50 percent of what you're going to see is going to be the space around that model's feet so what ways are there that you can do that nicely um clean base rims 
don't put sand on the sides of your bases. So what are you doing? Um, that is, <laughs> that is, just flick it off with your thumb when you're when you're gluing sand to the top. If you if you get some on the side of it, just rub it off with your thumb or whatever, or scrape it off with a knife. Um, top tip: if you are sanding bases, if you spray them with what used to be called Purity Seal and is now Monitorum varnish, um, that will stop your sand coming off at a later date. A lot of people paint PVA over it. Um, if you can get away with using that spray, like you don't have a model on there that you don't want to have that finish or whatever or if you're painting your bases separately um or if, if like me I, I will build my model i will base my model i will line them up i'll spray them from 45 degrees aiming at the bases at the front spray them from 45 degrees aiming at the bases at the back with a varnish that sand is never coming off generally speaking no matter what you do to it if you put down a heavy wash and then dry brush it and it hasn't dried or anything like that pva is water soluble and it's faffy like if i can do something from a spray can or an airbrush rather than paint it around feet and all that other faff and ruin a brush while I'm at it, I'm not going to do that. So it's a really, really, really good tip. But um, you've got a Grelliner, you've got tufts, you've got clean base rims. Generally speaking, they should be black. Um, I know we've, we've been brought up on other things, but whatever table you stand your model on, if you've got a black rim, it, it frames that base really nicely. And whatever's on top of it, unless it's literally got a black base, which is very unlikely, um, whatever's on top of it is going to look super clean and it's framed and your the model's kind of, it's it, it's framing itself in its own right. Um, so I think all base rooms should be black. It can be gloss, it can be matte, it can be whatever. But Now, um, I know I know. obviously you've, you've got you've got your stance on it. It's fairly clear where you stand. Um, however, and you're standing certainly on a base with a black rim. However, <laughs> is there any situation no. where you wouldn't consider painting it black? No. <laughs> no it's just they're just it never looks as good there are like i've seen a couple of like slightly extreme armies where it's done to tie in with a display board or something like that so that can be my little little exception but i just i can't think of a good reason and and anything with a funky color apart from like one example i've seen with purple um in an army in the uk scene that's done really nicely um oh is that the nurgle Burger one. Yeah. Yeah. What's his yeah, name? Had, um, He's won some awards at FaceTime, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Lovely chap. Um, it's escaped me. He's super nice. And his army, his army tits, really good. Yeah, black base rims, tufts. Tufts exist. You don't have to use one type of tuft. You can use three. It doesn't make you any slower. You just pick this one and this one and this one. Um, they are amazing. Uh, they're just absolute gold. A ghrelin earth is great. Putting an extra wash on there, doing a little bit of dry brushing, taking whatever is on your base and working its way up your model's feet. That also makes basing look really good because they've been walking through mud. So why wouldn't they have a bit on them? Not like bad wet dry brushing smeared on their legs, but like a little bit of uh, light stuff working their way up. Or if you're using Weathering powders, are you good for that? Yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal. And pigment, um, that's it. Make sure to seal them, especially if you're playing on snow tables, otherwise you'll upset someone. But um, you can do that by mixing them with alcohol before you put them on the model or by spraying varnish over them. It'll darken them a bit, but it just makes them more permanent. All of those are fantastic ways to get a good-looking base. And as I've said, you cannot have a good-looking army on that base. It is, it is just, it does not happen. It's impossible. And the rewards you can reap from doing efficient basing are mega. And ways to build the bases super efficiently. I mean, quite a lot of people know this, but uh, three mil cork, absolutely fantastic. You can rip it and have a little island in the middle of each base. Uh, My Destruction's got that with the Grell and Earth over it. Terry's, uh, Nurgle's got that with tentacles. You can just do it on its own. Still looks absolutely brilliant. Um, cork is really good. Put, getting little lumps of green stuff and just adding a lumps and bumps to your base. You, you don't even have to sculpt it down. You just put it on there and spit on your thumb and press it around a bit. That, uh, like adding volume to it, 
Terry does that really well, well on his bases because yeah. he, he rolls yeah, green yeah. stuff balls, cuts them in half, and then uses them as bubbles. As bubbles, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like that. Um, using a gloss on there, if you do have a slimy puddle, um, as an aside, I don't think wet bases can ever look good. A lot of people try and do marsh, and I, I just think it's at the scale we're talking about, it's quite difficult to make that look effective. I'm, I'm yet to see one that that I think is, is worth taking that approach with. Um, all of that stuff is absolutely amazing, takes no time at all, and bases are really forgiving as well. If you make a mistake, that's where your tuft goes, that's where your pigment goes, that's where the skull goes, that's where whatever goes. It's, you can go, you can blast your way through them super fast, and apart from that stage where you're painting the rim black, um, that there isn't anything that it matters whether you make a mistake. Even if you get like some paint up um, on the side of your model, so you can just stick a tuft there to hide it, it really doesn't matter. So basing in terms of time pit into reward gained is obscenely good. Um, picking a spray, this is another Ben Johnson favorite. Like a load of his army, he's basically picked a games workshop spray. That is his starting point and everything gets done with that. And you can force your army to be cohesive by doing this. So, uh, and like I said, I've mentioned Ben a lot, but he often picks a final highlight color that's the same on everything across his model. So let's say it's Pallid Witch Flesh or Rakar Flesh or Ice Yellow from Vallejo or um, Skeleton Bone from Army Painter or Screaming Skull or, or whatever it is. You can you can highlight so many colors with the same off-white and you could have your army, let's say you painted it uh, like a popular spray. I don't use them, but Mephisto Red or a grey one or whatever it is, it doesn't matter what you do to it, you could then wash it all red or something like that. If every single one of your models starts with the same colour and finishes with the same, not the same colour as that, but a different colour, but that it's universal across the entire army, your stuff is going to look cohesive. And if you pick the right one, Pallid Witch Flesh is great, or the ones I mentioned are really good, every single colour can be highlighted with that colour if you pick it carefully. Maybe not metallic, um, but as a rule of thumb, you could mix ice yellow in with orange, purple, blue, uh, gray um, flesh color. Uh, it could be the dots on your eyes. It could be the highlight on the parchment. It could be like your final, uh, you can mix it in with your brown on your final dry brush on your bases or your gray or paint the skulls on your bases, whatever it is. A lot of these colors, people won't, again, it's one of the things that people won't think of until you, you break it down, but there is no reason not to have that in every single color across your army. And then you just get like instant coherency. Um, step number one, and step number 10, first and last step, were we're done. All steps, like every single model has that same base coat and every single model has that other, that different highlight, but they're all sharing that with each other. And it's a really good way to kind of, it helps you get away with a lot as well. Like if you're using particularly funky colors or something like that, it pulls everything together. It's a really good way to go about it. So take a good spray. Um, Here's a question on, the, on that. We covered yeah. painting brands. Now, Games Workshop have stopped doing some of their old colored sprays, haven't they? Are there any brands of spray that you can recommend? Yeah, there's loads. I, I've used so, Army Painter, but I've found yeah. that they come out really thick and uh, kind of obscure detail. And I know that lots of people have had bad experiences with yeah. Army Painter sprays. I've, I've not had the struggle with Army Painter. I've used quite a lot of them. I've used their metals a lot. Plate mail's fantastic. Um, the, the GW ones work well in any weather condition, pretty much. Like, obviously, you shouldn't be spraying when it's snowing or outside in a downpour but um they are really really like they're they're very unfussy they are phenomenal they're quite expensive but you save so much time and they do protect the model um i never paint a model without having put a primer of some type down even if i then go over that primer with an airbrush base coat in a different color um 
the ways you can get around Games Watch having stopped doing that are prime it grey and then just stipple or paint your, your base colour on underneath. Stippling is really fast. If people don't know what that is, watch any of Arthur Soaps' videos on YouTube. That'll be me stippling with um, large dry brushes. It's a really fast way to get a base coat down. It's good for getting base coats down on models that are primed a different colour. Like if you wanted to, I don't know, base coat, it's robe a different colour to the rest of it or whatever as well. Or get an airbrush. And then you can use whatever color is in a pot, wherever you like on your model. Um, airbrushing is not just for people who are well into painting. It's for people who don't have as much time, people who are looking to improve, um, people who think they don't like painting. Cool. You can get like a red and an orange, spray your entire thing red, spray orange from above, wash the lot, pick out, uh, pick out the weapons, wash the lot like you're using a dipping technique, base it like fast but efficiently. And you can have a phenomenal looking army there and airbrush unlocks that in a lot of different ways. Um, Airbrushing is actually, I'm not very good at painting and there are some aspects that I don't enjoy and airbrushing is one of my favourite bits. Oh, it's so good. And then not a fat, anyone get... who says that oh, has yeah. bought a yeah. cheap, crappy one off the internet and it was 60 quid and it came with its, its compressor and, and all that jazz. I'm sure plenty of people made that mistake or people say it's cheating or like that. It's not, it's a tool. Like, washers aren't cheating. Like, it's it's your hobby. Enjoy it however you can. Um, it's just, re- one it's just really cool because, you know, you said um, do things in like achievable ways and then you look back at it and for some people, because for example, another thing I like to do is paint the bases. So once I've kind of got an, uh, a model that's like, I don't know, 50, 75% done, I sometimes paint the base all one color because often I've airbrushed yeah. it and it's like if I'm painting my Stormcast, they're green. Stuff, yeah. um, all the bases are green. And then because you've been holding yeah. the base, they start to kind of rub off a little bit and there's like a black rim around it. So I'll paint the base all of the color that's going to go on after it. Yeah, yeah. If if they're and that is if they're attached to the base. Stormcast bad example because I'm not actually gluing them to the bases I painted them on, but whatever. Um, I'll paint them all brown because I'm going to put a Grenon Earth on top of like a dark brown. Like uh, what's yeah. the one I use? Rhinox Hide. All my yeah. all my Grenon Earth bases, all the kind of muddy generic wasteland bases. Rhinox Hide because it's good coverage. It's a really dark color, so I paint uh, the whole base Rhinox Hide, and then that yeah. really helps to kind of finish it off. It does. I save them for momentum being exactly. low as well keeps morale up keeps that motivation up and it's exactly the same the reason why i'm explaining this is because it's exactly the same for airbrushing you can get a model especially something like stormcast or space marines or something in armor or something with a lot of cloth you can get some really cool blends and highlights and uh, shades and stuff with your airbrush and you look at it and you're like do you know what i could just like throw a wash on this paint a couple of metallics stick on a complete base and it's it's good enough it's, you know yeah, that's, not really I, that's not where that's not where i stop but you could definitely like and that's that's kind of what I'm doing with my Stormcast. The the um the thing about my Stormcast army is that they're bright green because we you know I didn't the Dark Angels plan didn't survive contact so uh, they ended up getting highlighted up to Kingdom Come so they're kind of like that bright lime Suns of Medusa green that I've done off for my Space Marines um and so the, the thing with my Stormcast is that they are bright green and everything yeah. else is just one color wash and it's got so, like a really bright highlight sort of airbrushed highlight green and for some people yeah. that's not that's not their vibe and i've had some people say i really don't like that style but i love it i think it's cool it's bright green i like bright green yeah they unlock things for you it lets you do it fast it lets you put varnishes down all over models um it, it's just a really quick way to do things and they are fairly easy to clean if anyone has specific questions about airbrushing by all means send them in and i can answer those really 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 thoroughly if um like in another episode or by reply or anything like that so pick a spray that might involve if your if your color you want your army to be is doomball brown and there's not a spray for it that might involve having an airbrush or borrowing an airbrush or anything like that um so we've got that for cohesion and that's about efficiency as well pick the right color that it makes a difference if you don't know just ask for advice 
simple. Like if, if any of these things are like, oh, like I like what Byron said, but I, I'm not used to working with color theory or I can't think of what, just ask Twitter. Like you'll have probably slightly too much opinions, but you'll probably be able to pick up the, the right one. There are so many people out there. That should be the tagline for Twitter, finish. mate. Twitter, <laughs> too many opinions. Some will be the right one. Um, there <laughs> or, will be people not. out there. Who, <laughs> there will be people out there. Just ask me. I'm always right. I've never ever made massive mistakes on the entire army. Um, oh wait so pick a spray work through that you've, you've got your starting color and you probably have picked your end color as well hopefully um, you don't have to do what I said about using the same color to highlight everything but I think it's a really good way to go about it you've got solid basing how do you make your army look effective between those bits um, you've decided you're doing things in batches of 10 because your guys are medium detailed and you don't mind spending a bit of time on them but you do want to see some progress uh, you can get them to 80% when you're really starting to go, oh my god, I can't believe it. Like you just spent, you've done the fast stages, you spent all the time basicating their pouches and the crap that you really don't care about, but you have to do. You've washed all of it. While that wash is drying, you're like you're considering taking your own life because you're willing to lose, losing the will to live. Bash out the bases, and suddenly that model is going to go from looking 40% finished, even though it's 70% finished to looking 95% finished. Um, that's really helpful. So that's when you, you plan that peak, that little peak of momentum to allow you to finish them off, put the units, I'd be proud of it, give yourself a pat on the back and then rock on with the next one. You've got all that going on. What do you have available to you in the modern painting arsenal to make things look super effective? So you've got special effects paints. Um, I'll, I'll talk about contrast a bit now because it's, it's kind of worthy of being in here. Contrast is a weird one. Uh, I've been painting in the style of using contrast for a decade, um, but I've been making my own mixes. They are really, really good, though. They're a fantastic way to get a lot of other effects. Do not be afraid to mix them with stuff. Um, other washes is the place I'd start, especially if you're a bit worried about putting a paint in there and accidentally turning your model completely opaque purple or anything like that. But Grab Byron, I thought contrast was designed for five-year-olds to be able to paint their models quickly. They're not for real painters like me, should they? <laughs> Andy Wardle's using them. I disagree. So you can you can pop whatever you like in there. Like you, let's say you have, I'll use Flash Terrors Red because I've got it already. Use examples from in front of me because I'm not very imaginative. You got Flash Terrors Red. What can you do with that? So that is like a, a, a deep ready one. It's not opaque because it's a contrast. So you can put it over a bright orange and you can make that bright orange look really like had some real like meat to it and like literally in terms of the color but some depth and some interest um you could pop some drops of yellow into that and make uh like a yellow ink uh i'd recommend ink intensity from scale 75 for this it's really strong stuff so you only need a couple of drops pop that into there give it a good mix maybe put a bit of medium in there a bit of thinner or a bit of water and um and then put that all over your model and suddenly you've made like a, a really bright a really bright wash you can actually mix in the paints that you have in your army into your contrast again sticking with orange if you're using flesh terrors red to highlight and you, you're a bit worried and your your first red color was evil sun scarlet or mephiston red you can put a little tiny drop of that in there give it a thorough mix and then you, you're pulling coherency and there's never a downside to doing that in my opinion um especially if it's just a drop because you, you're not doing enough to make it so you can't match it at a later date. It's always just giving it a little bit of nuance. Um, Tammy Clear Red and Special Effects Paints like Blood. Really easy to go over the top with this, but um, it, again, if you go over the top and your opponent's looking at your army from five feet away, probably doesn't over look over the top, probably looks awesome. Um, they look particularly good because they add gloss, which you generally speaking will not have anywhere on your model. People should use gloss more. I mentioned Ben using it well and stuff like that, but it, it's really good tool to have um 
the red, the way that I use it, I mix Tamiya Clear Red with Tamiya Smoke, which is kind of, as, as you'd imagine, a bit more browning. And then you can flick it on your model or you can hold up a brush and go like and blow on it and it will spatter onto it. Uh, a couple of tips for doing that. If you put thinner on your brush first, then the mix will leave it more easily. Um, you can actually hold your brush in front of your model and then use your airbrush to blow out the brush, which is a little bit more controlled. If you blow at the base of the bristles of the brush, you'll get big globules leaving. And if you blow at the top, the tip of the bristles of the brush, you'll get like a fine, like bloody mist gem, like generally. And Tamiya Clear uh, Red is an equivalent to uh, blood for the blood god if anyone hasn't used it you know you can you can get this effect with blood for the blood god yeah yeah you, uh, yeah, you pretty much can it's or, a, or a similar effect. similar enough effect just in case yeah. people are listening and haven't haven't used the equivalent yeah i'll pop a little bit of gloss in there if you are using um blood for the blood god um it's less uh it's less tricky to deal with and you'll need to clean your brushes less thoroughly and stuff like that afterwards it's a, it, it's made by games workshop so it's it's more approachable um all of these work in the same way though and that that splatter technique like putting actual random like, like random nature of a splatter on your model is magic because it's really hard to achieve that type of stuff so on metallic weapons it looks great on smooth robes it looks great but pretty much any color cream brown uh, green whatever it is it, it's a really really nice way to do it you can do this with oil and stuff in the same way as well but generally speaking People are going to be talking about blood effects because we're not talking about 40k armies. Um, rust, that's another one, and pigments. Uh, it doesn't have you don't have to do rust effect with pigments, but it's a really good way to do it. They are super matte if we're talking about pigments. The ones from Vallejo are fine. Everyone's pigments are, are pretty great. People find them intimidating to use. Uh, the ways that I use them, used on bases, is probably the fastest way to get a crazy return on time from from them, or just use neat stippling built up corrosion on weapons for Nurgle or like beaten up looking armies or stuff like that. So when I do them for basing, I use a dippy palette, uh, put a little bit of my pigment in there. I mix it with water and put it on as like a, a paste. And I've got a couple of wells. One of them's got clean water in it in my palette. I have a completely clean brush. I'll, I'll put on the paste on like five models with one brush and then I'll clean that brush and then I'll just buzz it out with water. Um, if people are familiar with wet blending, it's like that, but it's far more forgiving because you, you just letting it go a bit. Then you leave it to the side and let it dry. And you probably don't even need to seal that because it's quite difficult to get a thumb or a finger or whatever when you're picking up a model into the recessed bits of a model where your pigment is going to land. Um, I'll take notes to make sure that I said done a pigment. I'll take him a picture of that done on models that I've done previously because that'll probably illustrate it better. That's really effective. Like one of my default basing schemes used to be like medium gray up to light gray with a dry brush and then put down a rusty orange pigment and have that kind of collected in the recesses and then stick tufts on top of that. And that's basically five steps, dark gray, um, medium gray dry brush, light gray with a bit of white in it, dry brush, um, pigments tufts. That looks amazing and is really quick. Um, you can use them thicker, you mix them with alcohol and then you put them on as a paste and you'll get like a proper, completely matte, deserty look. Angel Giraldes, is, uh, he's famous for doing this. He's using it a lot at the moment. It's a really effective way of doing it. It's probably the fastest way of getting high quality basing, in my opinion. Like something that looks like high end, but takes pretty much no time whatsoever. You can do that on a primed brown base and just mix, like put a blob of one pigment here, blob of another pigment here, another pigment there smudge them together a bit, leave them to dry, spray them to seal them, and you're done. It's incredibly fast for, um, for like, a, it looks artistic as well as a finish. I think it's awesome. Um, 
I won't go into conversions, but obviously if you convert something and it stands out, that's going to look cool. Um, that's another way to, to draw attention. Converting basing is a, it's a really fast way to do stuff in a forgiving fashion. You can put like uh, cuts and bolts with planks of wood or skulls or candles, or there's multiple companies out there making like mushrooms or crystals is really popular because it's inch, that type of thing. All of that's really, really good. Um, and again, to touch on it, finding the middle ground. So perhaps it's worth talking about this in the context of, let's say I'm starting an army where, where I would I'll, I'll go through a rocket my way through all the things that we've mentioned in terms of how I would how I would apply that to the army in question. So I'm starting the corn army that I'm looking at. I pick my colours. I want to do something different. I know that purple to yellow works. I've done a test model. I've confirmed that it works. Like just on the skin, I can fill in the other holes around that. I'm pretty I'm pretty confident that that's that's about where I want to be. So I've gone from my kind of ready violet to yellowy orange and if i'm going to pick a triangle on the color wheel the other like these two link up and then the other one it points to is a blue green probably or a green or a blue so that is going to be the color i do the weapons um my time restrictions i want this to be a medium paced army i want it to look really effective i've not done a chaos army before so i get to do different basing which is really exciting for me and i want to pick it at a level where if i want to add units in the future i don't want them to take 10 months to finish like it's it's got to be done at a practical level so that's that's, that's kind of a bit like of... the example that we gave with the uh archaeon army isn't it it's like having a mar- having an eye and a little mind on what might happen in the future isn't it exactly yeah so i like i'm gonna put in and a cha- to be honest Jar- a chaos army is a great example of that because chaos is so yeah. you know there's so much in that range that it's yeah, highly you likely you're, do, gonna, you're gonna want to have some options from across the grand alliance of course i could do a 21 model corn army with three units of five hounds um council of blood and karanak or, or 18 or whatever it ends up as or i could do it with like seven units of 10 marauders um so there's lots of different things that you, you'd want to add into it done at a medium level the majority of my time looking at this realistically is going to go into achieving a good effect on the skin and then finishing the details like the armor is going to be a, a much smaller uh, part of that but i am going to put time into the weapons that's where i've picked it so i want i want the the majority of the model is the flesh so that gets the most time the most stages um the detail i'm picking um they pretty much don't have faces i actually sanded the eyes off my blood letters so we'll ignore that one but they've got like they fade to white there so or like a bright color so that'll look quite effective so i need another focus point on this i'm going to pick those weapons they're going to be a bright crazy turquoise whether i airbrush it or dry brush it or glaze it or whatever i'm doing and that's where my finesse paint is going to come in even though i spend more time on the skin the thing that i'm looking to improve with this is like my, my fine weapons like the ones that i did um when me and dan sat down and looked at escape and that we can put a picture in i've decided i want to get that to i want to really improve that and it's not a massive part of each model but it's an important part so i get to hit my personal goal of achieving it and then the army's goal of the army looking effective by spending time on a small part of it that is significant for people who are looking at um, armor. I'm just going to pick something fairly neutral that doesn't screw with the rest of the colors that I've got on the model. So that could be hitting it a mid-silver and then washing it a couple of times with black and then highlighting it with the same silver. Um, that's a really good rule of thumb, by the way. Um, if you, you can wash something more than once, I think people often don't think of this. And it's so fast if you're doing it in a batch that you just, it, by the time you've got to number 10, number one's dry. So you do a second stage and then you can work on highlights on number one um i'll paint it like a mid silver instead of a dark silver and wash it three times and then you get the depth of having a couple of layers of of washes on that and it looks really 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 solid 
um, it's it's a super super good way to get like a, a crisp highlight on some metal that looks like it's really it's had a hard life. Um, that's my metallics, and it's a corn army, so there's not much more than that. There's going to be like maybe a couple of banners, but a lot of them are just like skulls on sticks, so I don't have to worry about freehand or anything like that. And I feel that that level's pretty efficient. I'm also doing it to a level where if I get to the end of the army and think like that took less time than I want, I've not. There's a load of stages which look finished as far as the army is, but I can add more to it if I want. So if I'm like actually that armor, I want to put in like two more highlights and add some weathering to. I've not done anything to stop myself from doing that. That's often a consideration for me. One that I don't make good on a lot because I move on to the next thing. But all my armies are sat there, and I if I want to put little um, blemishes and dots on my fire slayer's skin, like to have them mottled or whatever, like. That, that is open and I've done one test model and I know it looks good so I've got that in the bank if I want to add it. That's all the parts of corn apart from the base so that is the next question. Now for for me this is it's the only Grand Alliance I don't have. It's the first time I'm going to get to do a new basing scheme in forever. I want to pick something completely different from what I've done so what about if I put them on planked wooden basing? It doesn't make any sense but we don't worry about that. It'll the idea is that it'll look nice pirate pirate chaos mate yeah whatever seems legit yeah with some skulls on it come on um so they're going to be on that they're going to be on that wooden basing or let's say i I pick desert to to make it look something that's a bit less weird i am going to do the wooden bases though um it's a desert so i've got my i've got my pretty colorful um crazy looking guys desert or the the base is going to set the theme for the army so do I want the army to look a bit evil and dark? Do I want it to look like, um, oh, I've forgotten who's it. Who's are the lovely feck with the sandy basic? Um, I'm having a complete, oh, I can't remember. Brain fart. He's been doing really well with him recently as well. Well, before the apocalypse happened. Um, Ricky me. No, I'll try and, I'll try and remember. I've not seen his feck like, army, but he's been doing really well with it. Um, I, it always stands out to me as, as looking really effective. But like, let's say we're going for a deserty basing because we know that Blood for the Blood God or Tammy Clear Red looks nuts on that, and those blood splashes are going to look great on those corn weapons when I finish them. It's going to look really good, and it's it's thematic and it makes sense. So we've got we can take one of the yellows that we've used in our mid tone on the uh, the purple through to yellow of the flesh and we can use that as the basis for our basing so to pull different colors from all over the model um we can take that we can also take our final highlight color and use that as the final highlight in the weapons to touch on what we were speaking about and um we can use the same wash that we've used on the wings on the metallics so all of our models looking fairly cohesive the base is going to contrast but have some of the same colors in and it's going to be really bright what i'm going to do is start with that bright middle yellow um wash it once put down dark pigments on it give it a black base rim and then that is our that is our army finished and we've got it at a level where it shouldn't take too long it's going to look pretty good to me sat in front of it i'm gonna be quite pleased with it and i'll have worked on my weapons and to my opponent who's four feet away it's gonna look badass it's gonna look absolutely great if i want to add units in the future i can do characters to a crazy level and glaze their weapons up to a million and if i'm adding a load of cultist marauder people um i can do their weapons uh in the same basic way just with like the same colors but then wash it once highlight it once and we're done um and that that allows us to sit there happy with with the level we've chosen and we could we can make it higher if we want in terms of bring up the painting quality but most importantly we picked a level that is it sounds negative but low enough achievable enough reasonable enough that we can bash that out at a pace that we are content with and then have an army that we're more than happy with and if we want to make it more we can um a lot of the time i think again touching on test models and potential problems with them 
people look at that one guy and they're like, oh, he just looks a bit bland. He looks a bit normal. Repetition in art is such a thing. If you look at... There's so much power in a finished army with lots of models. So like, again, going back to the Skaven as an example, they're not painted particularly well. And obviously the bits you did were fantastic, but, um, you know, those are the (laughs) best bits of the army. You know, the army's still... People compliment me on the Oh, yeah, Skaven looks really cool. Because there's 120 Plague Monks and they're all painted the same. 40 guys, 40 guys. 40 guys, big thing, big thing, big thing. Um, that looks amazing. I, actually, I've, that just made me think I've missed out a really Im- important part of what it is to make a good army. But that kind of goes yeah, it looks good position. because it's cohesive and complete. Yeah, exactly. So you, you've got all of that and you've got something you can be pleased with. And it didn't take you long. You didn't start resenting it. You're meant to enjoy your hobby. Like That is what we're here for. So your, your absolute aim should be to get something out as fast as you want to get it out and to get it out feeling pretty happy with it as a minimum. So that's what we've tried to do. Rules of thumb for that, like flat base coat, wash. That is, that is the basic standard for stuff. But if an entire army, if you do a Stormcast army, you've got 40 models or whatever in it, and they've all been sprayed yellow, um, dry brushed uh, with a, a whitey bone, and then contrasted with, uh, well, contrasted or washed with a mix of purple and something. And then you've picked out the armor in flight mail, washed it purple against it fits with your scheme or, or black, and you've painted their weapons a color. And then you base them. Let's say you've used the mixed pigment thing that I said, the the really efficient one. Like that army can look incredible, and you've not you've, you've not done any layering on it. You've not done any glazing. You've done uh, a highlight on the metals at most that wasn't like a dry brush highlight, but you you could absolutely just do them like like silver and then one wash. That would be fine, and that army would look badass. Right? Repetition is such a thing. If you think of I don't know, think uh, uh, like a real army, not a Warhammer army, like an army, like so, like one soldier in uniform is a guy wearing clothes. 80 of them standing there in exactly the same pose, holding the same weapon. There's there's just a thing to things that multiplied. So when you're considering that one little lonely fire slayer with his weird blue Mohican and his like his OK basing, don't don't doubt how good that is going to look when he's standing next to 29 of his mates and there's a big monster behind him. Um the thing that I haven't touched on is height and variety of models within an army, which I probably should have. So if you're talking about stuff looking good, obviously you're going to build your army from a, a tournament perspective, but you can put things on bigger bases. Or if there's a couple of close choices, um, then it can be, let's say you were choosing between having 20 blood letters or a bloodthirster for this example, and you didn't have a tall thing in your army. Adding different stages of height and different sizes of base and model is a thing for looking good um in terms of gaming as well like people give monsters more attention that can be good or it can be bad but it's something you can use to your advantage um if you can look at an army and you've got your infantry and then behind that you've got your slightly big hulking elites and behind that you've got a war machine then behind that you've got a dragon having different heights looks awesome you don't have to and some armies just don't have this available to them generally speaking they do in age of sigma because it's pretty monster heavy these days but uh, variety in in models is a really important thing as well. And just think of trying to get three tiers of height in there. You can actually fabricate this yourselves by making some really low objective markers. Um, an objective marker shouldn't stick up anyway. So let's say you've got eight objective markers because we need that many now because of silly scenario it laid out in front of your army when it's displayed or it's in your case or your cabinet or or whatever you're doing with it. If you've got eight bases and they've just got a number on them or a skull, but it's done thematically in your army, let's say you're the corn army and it's the desert base and then you've written a one in super glossy blood then you've got base height medium height bloodthirster height and you've got those three levels if you didn't have like a mid-tier like i don't know someone on a juggernaut or something like that um that is probably pretty much it do you have any like do you have any questions having me gone through that like are there things that you 
stand out as being weird or you think there's yeah so my i guess speaking from my kind of experience i.e something i'm going for the moment so i want to do my light hot army and i want to do it larvery and i've got this idea of them being kind of orangey and red at the bottom of their robes but something that i'm struggling with is the theory says light comes from the top and you should highlight the upper parts of the model but i want a really bright color at the bottom and at the top they're going to be dark is is that an issue or how do i overcome that uh well you you're going to have weapons that are going to be glowy around the highest point you don't you don't have to follow that either like generally speaking it is correct like things that look lighter at the top are better and widely speaking something would be lighter at the top get darker to its feet and then its base would be light so you get a nice contrast for light base dark feet right model with its face weapon shield or whatever in the top third or 50 percent of it um but you you can go about it a couple of ways you can just ignore it uh you can paint your entire model slightly darker than you would normally but still getting lighter towards the top and then do the glow effect but just do it on a model that is a bit darker i do this when i'm doing object source lighting on stuff if if I'm going to do a doorway which has got a lantern next to it, I will purposely paint that doorway darker than I would have normally because it's easier to get a contrast between the light thing. And you can take that approach yourself. A lot of the night haunt, though, I've got one in front of me. He's holding his weapon, like, kind of, like, ready to slash it downwards across his body. And the weapon's hanging out, like, um, in real life bunny ears it'd be just like nine inches from the right hand side of his head if those weapons are glowing then you can pick that as your light source to have it have it on it or you could just paint the hoods a different color if like if it's if you decide that's that much of a thing um but i just do exactly what i said in the middle so you let's say you're gonna paint them if you paint them normally you paint them mid gray up to light gray up to lightest highlights just knock all of those down by one step so you paint from dark gray up to mid gray with medium gray highlights and then you do your your glowy stuff from the base and um with that you just you approach that as you would do normally so and i suppose you, if you do all the glowy stuff after you've done the grays and blacks then yeah the any bleed of the glow is snaps is natural yeah whether you're airbrushing it dry brushing it stippling it uh using pigments you could do that for or or anything like that that'd work that'd work really 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 well looking forward to it very exciting mm-hmm. yeah are there any other we did have a couple of other questions on yeah, right. uh, twitter uh, or a couple of other comments let's have a look so gabe huddleston has asked and this isn't a painting related question however i feel we should ask it which are the best oryx and why are they iron jaws <laughs> solid um it's a rogue idol uh, he's also the person from our brief we had a lot of good feedback uh, on the previous episode uh, so people liked your chatting about picking a themed army but gabe also said i like byron's use of the word mullard and i think more people should start using it <laughs> I and I, I feel i feel like we haven't used the word mullard in this episode and i feel for gabe we should probably try and get into a sentence so in the sentence in a sentence about painting how would you use the word mullard byron uh you should be mullard if you don't do your base rooms black <laughs> boom there we go well done there you go <laughs> Right, so I think we'll leave it there. Uh, we've um, we've done uh, a good long painting chat. I now have to, I'm going to ask you the same two questions, but I want specifically your answers to be about hobby products or painting or something to okay. do with the, the hobby side of the hobby and painting side of the hobby. So if you could change one thing, what would it be? And if you could keep one thing safe, what would it be? There's lots of things that I keep safe because I think the like the but products you can are, only keep around one around safe, Byron. That's the point of the question. <laughs> okay, so um, the thing I would change is I would want every paint to behave the same way unless it wasn't meant to. So I'd like every paint to have high pigment count, base nicely, and cover over others really well, even if it is uh, yellow or uh, red or or whatever like that. That would that would make my life a dream and it would make everyone's life a dream as well but they realize it or not it's 
part of the difficulty of a lot of painting is just you really like this color but it won't go down how you want it to so that's my thing that i would change and then that i would keep the same are there any examples uh, of paints that do that really well that just behave nicely wherever you put them yeah um fist on red retributor armor um they're uh, they're absolutely amazing quite a lot of the games workshop paints to be honest are just like very reliable in a lot of different circumstances i like their greens and their browns too particularly um Doomble, I think that's a really lovely, lovely, lovely colour, and it does. Oh, it's a it nice works. ready brown, isn't it? It's good. Yeah, it, that and Retributor Armour is just gorgeous. Um, so every paint, just knowing what you're going to get out of the bottle before you've used it for the first time, that would be phenomenal. And then the stuff that I would keep the same. Not stuff, one thing. Uh, one get, thing. You're getting greedy, Byron, on these questions. I'm always greedy. Um, yeah, there's, there's too much of it within hobby. Like, I just, I like how airbrushes behave, and I like how washes behave. But how the different techniques interact with each other is my thing that I, I really, really like. So I want, like, in putting a wash over a dry brush, over an airbrush, but, like, the things working together, it didn't used to be like that um, at all. Actually, I'll pick a completely different one, how models are designed. Computer-aided design and people being able to raise the lip of an area so it will pick out airbrushing better or washing better or dry brushing better. This only applies to GW, largely speaking, because they're making stuff in plastic, which is a necessity, and their designers are just incredible. Um, miniatures being wanted to be painted better and rewarding you better for your time is the best thing about hobby hobby, the painting side of it, um, for me. It's a total. There you go, I did it. Boom, nicely done. Right, Byron. Well, thanks ever so much for joining us again. And uh, we look forward to having you back on to talk about. Uh, we'll write a list that uh, about for an avoidance army. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Have you got, have you got any ideas on some factions you would use? Uh, there's. I'm going to avoid seeing said it for the last one, but they've got a really weird one. Um, I will. Yeah, I'll see what I can come up with with three cities. I could try and I'll try and pick another additional weird thing. Like I'll try and make it have at least 20 drops or something like that. Because <laughs> I think that'll, that'll lead Tom to <laughs> Yeah, he will do. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, Byron. Well, I'll speak to you next time. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Priority Roll. If you want to get in touch with us, we're at Priority Roll on both Twitter and Instagram. You can send us an email, priorityrollpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash priority roll and leave us a voice message. If you want to leave us some feedback, we're always looking to improve. Or if you just want to suggest a topic to talk about on one of our upcoming shows, then feel free to get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening to Priority World.